What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dat who dat stuff? Who dat? You know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's that's our 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 chant. Podcast back at you. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Of course, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holders, where you can find all of our podcasts. And of course, you could subscribe. You get our podcasts, every other podcast in our uh, wonderful system of podcasts, and all, all of our written words, of course, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. Or if you just want to do pods, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods, rate, review, subscribe. Get on top of the Duncan Holder podcast. Well, the Saints have certainly been on top of moving money around, trying to get under the salary cap, and making a surprise move and yet not a surprise uh, retention with bringing back Marcus Williams. But, Jeff, look, I know you have been monitoring this. I've been monitoring this. The whole NFL world is actually kind of monitoring this just to see how the way the Saints operate with such salary cap uh, constraints. And we are about, as we are recording on a Wednesday morning, we are a week away from where the Saints need to be under the cap. And it sounds like the cap could be anywhere between 180 and 185 million. And as we've seen some of these moves happen in the last week or two, every dollar counts. And so I'm sure the Saints are kind of gearing up to get there. And it's like they're basically halfway there from where they started, but still uh, still some moves they've certainly got to make. Yeah, I, I was a little surprised they used the franchise tag on Marcus Williams, but I think it's mainly just a device that they're using to protect him so they can uh, have the time to work on a long-term deal that'll be more cap-friendly. So I don't think that $10 million number is going to be uh, what the Saints carry into into the 2021 season. I don't think there's any way they're going to carry that. And if you really look at it, Larry, it's relatively affordable. Uh, the, the safety position is one of the more affordable uh, franchise tag numbers, certainly more affordable than what they would have been faced if they wanted to use it on Trey Hendrickson, a defensive end. So it does make sense in that regard. We know they value Marcus Williams, he's a young player. I think people sometimes forget how young he is. He came into the league young. And uh, for Dennis Allen and his scheme, it really does require a rangy center fielder out there on the back end. And uh, he's improved his tackling. That's something you and I have been critical of in the past. Uh, but I think it's the most important thing is for them is to try and retain as many players on the defense and keep that core together as they can. And he's a young player that plays a key position in in the pass-happy NFL. Uh, So it does make sense that they would want to keep him on board, although uh, what they sign him for long-term, I think, is going to be the real interesting thing of of his transaction. I think if you're looking at the $10.5 million cap number that stands right now, let's just remember where the Saints were before Marcus Williams. They signed Jarris Bird to a six-year deal that averaged out to $9 million a year, and that was a total flop. They basically had him and a, uh, a band of nobodies trying to play free safety before Marcus Williams. They drafted him in 2017, and he came in and immediately started. So he's a four-year starter. He's someone who we knew that the Saints wanted back, but the Saints – 
did what they could as of right now to make sure they did not let him walk out the building. Now, as far as you have a week to, if you want to try to land a long-term deal before the cap number hits, you got a week. I rarely, I can't remember a time where someone has been tagged and then before free agency started, they came up with a long-term deal. So to me, when you look at it, I'm guessing that they were not totally in sync on a long-term deal yet. And so that's why you do this right right up against the deadline. And the danger here is the Saints better be comfortable with a $10.5 million cap number on him going past the start of the new year, uh, which, again, is in a week. And so if they walk into $10.5 million, that means other moves have got to be made, whether it's more contract restructuring. I know we we saw uh, even this morning – players like Andres Pete and Malcolm Jenkins, and we've already seen uh, Cam Jordan and Demario Davis. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen some of these moves happen already as far as restructures. I mean, Will Lutz, I mean, we, we've seen, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing 10, it feels like. But they better feel comfortable with that number because if they don't get a uh, long-term deal done in a week, they're going to have to carry that uh, into the league year, and, and they're going to have to make moves to, to kind of coincide with that. Yeah, and I think it might indicate that, that they at least feel like, uh, you, you know, they can get there eventually. I, I know, I think they used the, the franchise tag on both Breeze and Jimmy Graham in the past, and both times they ended up renegotiating a long-term deal before the season started. Now, can they do that here in a week? I don't know. But I think before the season starts, they can certainly get to that number. They've got so many irons in the fire. Larry, I think this may have been nothing more than just a placeholder. Let's – Let's get that iron taken care of. Yes, it's a $10 million bite we, we have to take, but there's so many things they can do. You and I are on the same page on this. I've never once felt like, oh, the Saints can't get this done. We know they can get it done, but it's going to come at a cost. And I think that's what's being lost here is everyone is just, uh, you know, presuming that Mickey Loomis and Kai Harley are going to jump through all these hoops and everything's going to be fine and dandy. No, it's not. There's going to be a lot of players that aren't back, and it's going to happen here in the next 48 hours to, to, to a week where guys like, I think, Quan Alexander, uh, you know, um, we've already seen Nick Easton, Tom Morstead, Jerry Cook, Josh Hill. These are all cap casualties to some degree, and this team was good because of players like that. The depth they had with those positions uh, made them – uh, able to withstand the injuries that they suffered this past year. I don't think this team's going to be nearly as deep. And Mickey Loomis has said as much that that he's worried a little bit about that, that some of the younger players are now are going to have to step up. So let's not delude ourselves and think that all this is just fine and dandy. They're, they're going to get to the number and everything's going to be fine. No, this team is going to struggle, I think, to be as talented, especially on the defensive side of the ball, after this week is up because of these these cap maneuvers that they're having to make in this unprecedented situation. Right, and you look at other players like Malcolm Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, Janoris Jenkins, Patrick Robinson, uh, Latavius Murray. I mean, these are all veteran players where you acquired them by design to make a run with Drew Brees to win a Super Bowl. And now that that era is over, these are the issues. And, of course, you run into a COVID-19 pandemic, which you don't foresee. 
you know, still, if that wouldn't have happened, they still would have had to made some of these moves just because the cap wouldn't have jumped by like 70 million, you know, so they would have still had to made some of these moves going forward. And Jeff, uh, look, in a column I wrote a couple days ago in my extremely wild, way too early project a 53-man roster, uh, you know, some of those players I mentioned, I, I was a little hesitant to get rid of, but I left players off like Patrick Robinson, like Malcolm Brown, like Emmanuel Sanders. And you look at, say, let's just go defensive front-wise. You look at the 2020 defensive front compared to what the 2021 defensive front can look like. You could be without Trey Hendrickson, Sheldon Rankins, and Malcolm Brown. And how do you replace those guys? That's the thing. And in that column, I went draft pick, draft pick, and then a low-level veteran free agent like Ryan Kerrigan. And then you're having to lean on Shy Tuttle and Malcolm Roach and Carl Granderson. And, I mean, are those guys totally ready for prime time yet? I don't know, but that's where they are. Like you said, there's going to be a lack of depth. There's going to be question marks at certain position groups where a year ago, you and me would be talking at this time. They would only be maybe one hole. There might be like five or six where you're walking into training camp thing. Ah, they might be a little light, say at nose tackle. They might be a little light at say wide receiver. If you, if Emmanuel Sanders is traded or cut, you wonder where they go. Yeah, that's a great point, Larry. And I think you hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, th this is not, uh, you know, crisis situation, but I think it's more getting the, the Saints are kind of because of the way the the NFL business model works. There's always this kind of anchor pulling the successful teams back to the rest of the pack. Right. I mean, the, the salary cap was implemented, a hard cap. Uh, once you start getting successful, you got to start playing, paying more of your players. It's difficult to keep that core together. Uh, the way the draft is set up, you're drafting at the bottom of the first round or each round. Uh, you know, the schedule is more difficult for the first place teams. All those things are designed to create parity. And I think this anchor that the Saints have been able to uh, kind of withstand because of the core of the 2017 class that's really been the, the, the core that's carried this team through this successful run, it's up now. They've they got to start paying players, and it's going to create – a situation where the Saints are going to have to do away with some of their key players because they just can't keep that group together. And they're going to come back to the rest of the pack, and we're going to see like what the other half, how they live in the NFL because the Saints have had this incredibly deep, talented team and core together for the last two or three years. And we went into last season, Larry, I remember we did on this podcast before where players, we were looking at the the – the position battles going into camp and we were like, well, there really aren't any. I mean, this team was intact in almost every position. That's just not the norm for other NFL teams. And I think the saints are just going to be in that boat like everyone else now with unquestioned uh, uncertainties at say certain positions where young guys like shy Tuttle and Malcolm Roach have to step up into more prominent roles. And you hope that the coaching staff and the personnel department that they've got a good bead on these players, but let's let's face it, they're taking a little bit of a leap of faith here, uh, and and having to go into some unsit unprecedented situations at certain positions 
because of this salary cap situation. It's amazing to me when you look at the Saints roster construction, what it'll probably be like uh, when we get through the next, say, month, and you still have Pro Bowl, all pro players all over the board, but you look at, say, all right, well, they have Marshawn Lattimore at corner, and say if Janoris Jenkins is cut or let go, you look at it and then you think, all right, well, who's going to be your starting corner? Or can, like, C.J. Gardner-Johnson be in every down outside corner? Or you look at wide receiver, Michael Thomas, and then if Emmanuel Sanders is gone, well, who is number two? We have that eternal question again uh, as far as uh, with that being said. And so, uh, you know, and – uh, we're sitting here right now recording the podcast and coming across uh, how, that the salary cap is up to 182.5, and that's the way it sounds. So we were assuming between 180 and 185, we split the difference, and so that's where it sounds like it's going to be. And so that gives the Saints a little bit of breathing room, but let's, let's put this in perspective. It's basically – a Thomas Morstead cut because he costs two and a half million. So maybe one of those players like Latavius Murray, who's about that might be safe, something like that. But, but yeah, like there are positions where, like you said, it is the, you, when you go into an OTA, when you go to into training camp this year, you are, your eyes are going to be looking, obviously they're going to be looking at quarterback. We know that for sure, but they're going to be looking at other places way more than what we would have thought last year because you were just gearing up on, all right, this team is championship caliber ready. Now you're thinking, all right, well, how are they going to stay in contention? And they're going to have holes where you didn't think they'd have maybe in the past. Yeah, and I think actually, Larry, this is where, uh, you know, Jeff Ireland and his crew really come into play because I think the Saints more than ever are going to need some more young players to make this roster to make this salary cap situation work. Because if they're going to pay Ryan Ramchek and Marshawn Lattimore blockbuster deals, which they're going to have to, those are two of the most expensive positions in the league. We're not even dealing with the quarterback situation. But if they're going to pay Ramchek and Lattimore, uh, you know, elite money, and I assume they will, that's going to go up in future years. Those, those deals, they can get through this year with cap-friendly numbers, but eventually you're going to have to pay those guys, and, and those numbers are going to balloon. So they're going to have to have contributions from the rookie class and these young players and guys like Malcolm Roach and Shai Tuttle are going to have to step up and be productive kind of frontline guys. And I think they have the ability. We've certainly seen them in spots, but you just never know until they get out there. And I think the depth issue is another concern because the Saints have had this luxury of great depth uh, that withstand injuries because we know they're going to come. Uh, are they going to be as deep as, as they've been in pa- the past? I just don't see any way that that's possible. I mean, just look at the secondary. We have we, we know they're going to probably have Marcus Williams on board now. Looks like Malcolm Jenkins is certainly, uh, you know, involved and Marshawn Lattimore long-term, right? But beyond that, there's question marks at almost at every spot. I, I guess uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, of course, I'm leaving him out. But you got Patrick Robinson, Janoris Jenkins. We don't know what's going to happen with him. Um, you know, P.J. Williams, all those guys could be back. Probably if not all of them will be back, and that's another area so critical in this league uh, that's going to be a question mark. Well, Jeff, 
you're as we're talking here, I uh, I think I have a spurred on a column idea. Yeah, I love uh, it. I don't think I don't think there's uh, there's any more pressure uh, than uh, you know the probably the most pressure we're gonna see on Jeff Ireland and his college scouting department this draft. And think about it. When you went back to 2017, that's where they struck it rich. They need another one of those drafts. That's not easy to ask. Uh, Look, they're going to have a first-round pick, second-round pick, two-thirds, because I'm assuming they're going to get two-third compensatory picks, one for Teddy Bridgewater and one for the hiring of Terry Fontenot. And then you have a fourth rounder. Uh, And so they're going to have to strike like they did in 2017 to kind of keep this train going. If not, if they have drafts like we've seen basically since then, this team will take a dip. And it's it to me, the pressure is on for if, if they want to keep this thing going, draft picks, undrafted rookies, you're going to need these guys – they're going to have to find lightning in a bottle with a lot of these guys like they did uh, four years ago. And I think guys like Zach Bond and Adam Troutman are going to have to, they're going to have to play next year, more prominent roles, and they're going to have to step up. That's why they drafted those guys. That's why they went and got them and made the deals to get them. They, they have to produce now. And I'm not saying they're not, but we just don't know. We don't know how they're going to pan out. Some guys will step up. Some guys won't, but we know they have confidence in both those guys, and that's why they drafted them. So, you know, there's just so much uh, uncertainty with this roster going forward, and we haven't even talked about the quarterback position because that's, that's the biggest one. I mean, we they could shore up this roster in every way, but if Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill is not productive and, and not uh, playing winning football, this team, I think, is going to be, uh, you know, a 500-level team that if they get some breaks could be in the playoffs – uh, that to me is the number one thing that all these other things kind of are built around as ancillary parts. Well, I think that's at least say with Saints fans, I think they're realistic in knowing that, uh, you know, I feel like that Saints fans uh, certainly understand where they are salary cap wise and know it's a transition year. Uh, and I think if you look at it, making the playoffs, is, is a good thing for the Saints. Uh, you know, I don't – Tampa's going to be the favorite. I mean, they, they have to be. They're going to be the favorite. Uh, and I'm curious to see how they retain all their players. I mean, we just saw them franchise tag Chris Godwin. Uh, I think Shaq Barrett, I, they'll probably get something done with him. They've secured Levante David. They're not letting him walk out the building. So they're going to be just as good uh, and maybe even better. They might get some other players. You never know. So uh, you got to look at that. And then you look at Carolina – squarely in the hunt for a new quarterback definitely connected to Deshaun Watson they a lot of people figure that they've got the assets to make that happen and if not they draft a quarterback and maybe uh, you don't know where they are and so Atlanta's under uh, a new regime with uh, with Arthur Smith uh, and Terry Fontenot as coach and GM so you're curious to see where they are but the Saints are still they're, they're going to be one of those teams almost figuring hovering five spots, six spots, seven spot in the playoffs, as opposed to, boy, they're the favorite to win the division. I mean, so we're, it's almost kind of a little bit of a wake up call. If you're not thinking that as a Saints man, I think this, you're going to see so many changes and where there's going to be holes that this will be a little bit of a wake up call to where, all right, this is, 
this isn't going to be a given. I mean, this is going to be fight to get to the playoffs, fight through some holes in your roster, and you're going to see maybe some some plays not made, uh, maybe on offense, uh, some you know miscommunications at times where you wouldn't see that with Drew Brees and his team, or you see some slip-ups on defense where you're thinking, man, I haven't seen that in the last three or four years. I mean, I would prepare myself for some of this just the way that this roster is going to be constructed. Yeah, and you mentioned Larry Carolina. Like, I'm fascinated to see what they do because it feels like their owner, David Tepper, is is tired of being patient and he wants to make a bold move. We know he's got deep pockets. We know they're building a huge, uh, very lucrative uh, practice facility and team headquarters over in South Carolina. Uh, they, I think, want to be a factor now. They want to be more relevant. And I think it all starts at the quarterback position for them. If they could pull off a Deshaun Watson trade somehow, uh, I think that would be earth-shattering. And suddenly you'd have another player in the division that you have to worry about. I, I think all these teams are in s- sort of similar positions in that we don't know what's going to happen with Matt Ryan at quarterback. The Saints have uncertainty at quarterback. And certainly Carolina, the only one that's really established is Tampa Bay. So it's going to be really a fascinating next few weeks in the division to see how the quarterback position plays out in these other three teams. I think Matt Ryan will probably be retained for this year, but I wouldn't be shocked with Atlanta drafting so high. What are they, number four? Uh, this There might not ever be up there again. You have to kind of take advantage of that when you have it, especially in a year that has as many talented quarterbacks as, as, as there are in this year's draft. They may end up taking a quarterback in that top five and, and groom him a year behind Matt Ryan, uh, the way the, the the Chiefs did with Pat Mahomes. Uh, so I, I'm, I can't wait to see how all this plays out. But I think the Saints are coming back to the pack because of these salary cap situations and because of the, the, the timeline that they're in. Uh, having gone for it the last few years, trying to win a Super Bowl, which I wholeheartedly have endorsed. But eventually you have to pay the piper. And I think uh, we're seeing a transition year play out. Now, how can they position themselves for 2022 and beyond to be competitive and maybe get back uh, in that hunt for another Super Bowl. That's that's what we're going to see play out here. Yeah, and I'm curious to see after this year, because you're pushing all these numbers back of all of these players and their contracts. I mean, at some point, Cam Jordan's not going to be on the team. At some point, Demario Davis is not going to be on the team. Uh, and you're going to be paying for these guys for – they might be 45 years old. It's like Bobby Bonilla, even though they're not really getting money. But, hey, it might be Bobby Bonilla where he gets $2 million a year for 50 years or something crazy. But, uh, uh, obviously, that's not the way it works in the NFL. But still, I think you get my point. I mean, they're going to be paying for a lot of these players because, A, they're in a spot where they have to get under the cap. They don't want to gut their team. And yet, how do you replenish that in dollars and cents, say in 2022, which we don't haven't we don't have a clue of where that cap's going to be. And I know you love voidable years, but if you attach three voidable years to a guy and he's you're paying for him for three years later, I mean that's not optimal, not the best thing. But like the Saints have been doing this for years and years and years. Uh, I'm curious to see not just this year, but after and, and beyond. How competitive and how long does this linger? Uh, and I, I think that goes back to my point. You better find young, good talent right now in April in the draft. You better find them this year and next year to keep that wave going 
because now we're seeing Alvin Kamara getting paid. Lattimore is going to get paid. Ramchick, uh, you know, Hendrickson probably elsewhere. Uh, Marcus Williams. You need that to keep your your lifeblood going. And uh, that to me is a, it's a not just this year problem. It's a next year problem if they can't replenish kind of the, the stock in this year's draft. I think what it looks like Larry, Mickey, and Kai Harley are doing, to me, it looks like they're counting heavily on this cap ballooning back up in 2022 with the new media rights deals that are being negotiated, all the new streaming deals that are going to come into play. I think uh, we saw a little bit maybe of a uh, tipping of the hand in that Dak Prescott deal because Jerry Jones has always been a long, influential owner on those broadcast committees. Uh, it's how he kind of made his mark in the NFL. Uh, he's been responsible for for those huge landmark broadcast deals. And I think his deal with Dak Prescott showed to me maybe a, a path that the, the NFL future is going to be, uh, the salary cap is going to be pretty big because that deal that he signed with Prescott was landmark. So I, I really think that's what they're counting on. It looks to me like they're trying to get through this year because of the unprecedented uh, cap situation but they're counting on this thing kind of going back up to normal, even though we don't know what's going to happen in 2021 as far as attendance. The league still hasn't addressed that, but I think there's optimism that we will get back to having at least half full to, to almost full stadiums in 2021, which will help everyone's bottom line and increase those revenue streams. As we get near the end of this podcast, Jeff, the question that I still keep getting and I'm sure you still keep getting, what is Drew Brees waiting for? What is the holdup? And we are March 10th, and now you can reference back to another Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks retired. We've gotten past that point of, well, Peyton Manning have done it already, and X, Y, and Z have done it already. And the Saints are a week away from the start of the new league year. And Drew Brees has yet to retire. And we could make assumptions that they're waiting for the right time to do this. Uh, you know, I think it's the closer you keep getting, the more, well, the antsier, more antsy, whatever the correct English is for that, the fan base is getting. I mean, we could say until we're blue in the face, he's retiring, he's retiring, he's retiring. But people are just wondering what is taking so long and then that leaves the doubt, oh, my gosh, if he comes back, you know, that, that sense. So that angst still exists through all of this. Uh, forget Russell Wilson or Jameis Winston. I mean, people are still wondering, what's the deal with Breeze? I mean, what, what, what's the deal? And I, I don't really have a great answer for him at this point. I mean, what, what is the deal? I, you know, I, it's just, I'm just kind of speaking hypotheticals now. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think there's got to be something going on behind closed doors. The only way I, I try to answer it is I can tell you that what I know from internally, the Saints are operating as if he's not coming back. You know, they will be as stunned as anyone if Drew Brees does not retire. So I think that's pretty clear and a pretty, pretty clear indication by him reducing his salary. He's at least giving them time. That, that was how it was presented to me. Uh, but let's face it, I think the Saints have to know before the start of the league year, March 17th, probably by March 15th. And that just happens to be, by the way, Larry, the, the, the day that he signed with the Saints. So 
Uh, I think could potentially we have an announcement on March 15th is the 15 year anniversary. Maybe I'm just throwing that out there, but uh, I think if I'm Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton, I want to know something. So I have clarity on the quarterback position. And I think they are operating as if they have clarity, but the public and, and for whatever reason, Drew Brees is waiting on this, but the public, I think, uh, is starting to wonder if there's connecting the dots here that he might be uh, rethinking his decision um, that he might come back. I don't, I don't, I think he would not do that to the saints. I think he knows that they are operating. They've had conversations behind closed doors. I can't see Drew Brees throwing a curveball at them at the last minute and saying, oh, by the way, I'm coming back. So I, I'm fully convinced that something's going to happen here in the next week or so, and we'll have a formal announcement. Well, I'll just go through what OverTheCap.com is saying uh, as far as where his number sits. And if you say, okay, you know, if he's, say, cut before – June 1st, his dead cap money over the years is $22.6 million. Say if he's cut, in quotes, after June 1st, the dead money is cut in half. So I'm wondering if they have to play this public facade and say, oh, we don't know, and he's just going to linger around this, that, and the other, and then they get to save on that money later on down the line. That to me might be why they're doing this. Like, I don't know, you know, if that's a uh, 100% concrete, but that to me would make the most sense if they're able, if they delay it and then they save money down the line. That's, you know, I'm just speaking uh conspiracy theorist here. I don't know. No, that makes sense. I mean, what I don't understand though, is why they couldn't just announce it and do the accounting procedure on the books down the road is there some kind of league unwritten rule that you can't do that i've never heard that but i do think there is a little bit of credence to what you're saying because we have a good colleague in the business brett martell works for the associated press who is he has actually endeavored and tried to call the league to find out about that and he's not getting any cooperation from the nfl which is rare so maybe this is just kind of the league's in on it too uh, the, the team is in on it. They can't say it publicly because of, of their peers and their rival teams. And everyone's just kind of quietly uh, not speaking on the matter. It's, it, it's the only thing that makes any sense to me why we haven't heard anything. Uh, so I would I would definitely say that that's a possibility. And you, they can't make, I guess, a sham of the salary cap system. I don't know, even though people right. always say that they do. But still, uh, look, the Saints, it seems like they're prepared – to get there, but here's what would be funny. I think would be hilarious. You get to OTAs, and Drew Brees still hasn't announced his retirement, but then he's not there. And so, what do you do? <laughs> right. Minicamp. Oh my gosh! And it was, you know, even though minicamp would be passed that June first, but OTAs, he's still on the roster, but he's not here. What is Drew holding out? You know, I'm just teasing that, but that would be a way. He'd still be on the books, but still, uh, you know, I think at this point we got to. You know, people ask, well, are they waiting to give him a good send off? And I mean, I think they'd find a way to do it regardless. Uh, but like, I think I think dollars, uh, I think the dollars part is probably an interesting part of the equation where they can't just make a sham of it. So we'll see. I mean, we'll just sit and waiting. I know I've got stories written that 
saying, all right, adios, Drew. Here's some of the best moments I've ever covered. But, but it's just sitting there collecting dust in our system. Well, look, I think we're going to know something very, very soon, right? I mean, if the Saints sign Jameis Winston to a, a pretty lucrative deal, uh, you know, for what, whether it's a one-year deal that, that gives both sides options beyond 2021 or whatever, but if they sign him, I mean, that's the writing on the wall for Drew Brees. Uh, we know that. Uh, they're not going to bring in Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston's not coming here to be a backup again. I don't think there's any way he does that. I don't, I don't see that happening. So I think we're going to know which direction they're going. Uh, their, their actions are going to speak louder than, than their words, put it that way. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Duncan Holder podcast. When our pod comes out next week, we will be, I'm sure, hot and heavy in free agency as the legal tampering period uh, starts Monday. So we will definitely have, and our pod usually comes out on a Wednesday, so we will have all the 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 hits and misses of what's going on with the Saints uh, as they gear up for the new league year. So, again, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. Jump on there, subscribe, get all of our pods, all of our great written work as well, not just in New Orleans, but across the globe. Uh, you can do that, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder, or Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a million, the Duncan Holder podcast. So for Jeff Duncan, I am Larry Holder. Thanks once again for joining us here on the Duncan Holder Podcast on the Athletics Podcast Network.